Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up here on Balls.ie, our podcast in association with Labrooks, where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend, or indeed the sporting week, as the case may be right now, because there's so much sport on every time you look around, Mick, that I don't actually know where to turn. No, it's a lot on, Mark, and there's only more to come because this weekend is absolutely bananas. To bring you up to speed very briefly, and this is only in the four main Irish sports. You can take everything else out. I'm sure there's a million things on around the world. I know, I think the AFL Grand Final is on, for example. Um, but no, just to stay with the four main Irish sports, Gaelic football, you have the second and of the round of the resumption of the league. All four divisions, there's something to play for in all of them. In Division 2 and Division 4, there's an unbelievable amount to play for in all of them. Uh, in hurling, you've got the start of the championship. You've got the Leinster Championship match between Leash and Dublin. You've got the Munster Championship match between Clare and Limerick, which, you know, because there's not enough riding on that. It's also the league final. <laughs> you know, that that's uh, and that's in Irish sports. Then you've got uh, football. You've got full round of Premier League action. Lots going on. Manchester United and Chelsea small matter of that and then in rugby just out of nowhere the Six Nations is back Ireland are playing Italy so that's just I was about to say, a couple of days like of your life if you're looking at even just from a soccer point of view you've obviously got Dundalk against Mould uh, Celtic against yeah. AC Milan on Thursday you've got the women's European qualifier Ukraine and probably Ireland on Friday you've got those massive Premier League matches as I mentioned and it's probably bottom of the list uh, for the sports this weekend to look forward to or maybe I don't know the Portuguese Grand Prix might be just behind it uh, but the <laughs> AFL Grand Final as you mentioned but, uh, Guilherme Katz in the final so you've got the Zach Tui and Ben O'Connor Mark O'Connor um, I should say uh, my own name um, interest as well uh, so there's plenty happening we're obviously going to talk to Stephen Ferris though because the big one of the week big story of the weekend is the return of the Six Nations Ireland are playing in Italy the team has just been named we're going to be uh, bringing you we're going to talk to Stephen Ferris live on Facebook and on our other social media channels actually so we're going to be in that chat in just a couple of minutes we're also going to be uh, playing one two three, trying to correctly predict the score of three of this weekend's Premier League matches on Labrooks to win ourselves hundred euro cash. Mick, you're going to have your NFL picks. We're going to preview the GEA season as well, and you're going to have your big show because I think this week you said you love it. You you love your selection. You're going to you're 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 confident you're going to win two cakes in a sports biography. You say that with derision in your voice, Mark. I can't help noticing. How did your big show go last week? Not well. Not well. Uh, I think okay, how, many, uh, how long how, you had uh, Galway to beat Mayo. What was the final score in that match? Or how much did they lose by? I had the last be a few points. Yeah, I think the they, most they they've ever lost the to Mayo half, in the history of football. Uh, um, it might have been a draw. Uh, the, I think there's the most they've ever lost to Mayo, um, or possibly in a hundred years. And then there was another match you had a Division Wicklow Four. You were Antrim, all mad about Antrim. Yeah. It was like they were going to seal promotion. Many goals did Wicklow score in that game? Seven. Seven, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens with the big shout, but I, I would say the pressure is well and truly off me this week. Yeah, I also had Tyrone to beat Donegal, which wasn't a million miles away in the fact <laughs> that the two teams were on the same pitch, um, but Donegal won that. Roscommon did beat Armagh, but they just did that to annoy me because <laughs> <laughs> they knew nothing else was coming off. So yeah, you're going to be in the big shout hot seat this week, uh, as I mentioned. So we've got lots coming on with the show, so I think there's no time uh, to waste. Maybe we should get on ahead with it. I should mention that you can subscribe by searching the build-up on Balls.ie and all good podcast apps if you haven't done so yet. Uh, please do leave a rating and a review while you're there. But without further ado, here's Stephen Ferris. Stephen, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. 
Good stuff. Uh, I suppose the first thing we have to get into is the Ireland team has been named for the Italy match this weekend. What is your reaction to the starting line? Yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. There's it seems like there's a bit of uh, fresh air being blown into this Ireland system uh, with the debutants hopefully going to four of them, you know, two of them starting, two of them on the bench. Um, he seems to be picking on form, like so Peter O'Mahony's on the bench. Gillen Dora seems to be flying uh, on all fronts. So I think it's really encouraging. Um, I'll give the other guys who are on the fringes a little bit of hope as well that, you know, maybe their opportunity or their chance is just around the corner. So, yeah, as soon as the team sheet come up, I was looking for the, the names that, you know, aren't regularly on the team sheet. Um, and it's brilliant to see. What are your thoughts going into the, these two games now in terms of what Ireland should be looking to get out of the Six Nations? Like it's so strange. I remember you uh, previewing the first game of this year's Six Nations. Was it eight months ago? Nearly. Twelve <laughs> years you ago. Thought that, yeah, come game <laughs> four, it'll be eight months later. Like I mean, we're, with the outside channel, are you looking at that or trying to get the likes of Keenan that bit of game to a bit of experience? Look ahead to maybe the Autumn Nations Cup and obviously into next year. Yeah, I like it. You know, obviously, if this was England that we were playing, um, you know, this weekend, I don't think that there would be as many changes in the squad. Um, but yeah, like the the end goal of this Six Nations or last year's Six Nations, the way you wanna you wanna word it, is to win it. That's to win the competition. And every single lad that is is in that camp at the minute, that's in that bubble, um, that's training day in day out. Their main focus is to try and win the Six Nations title. What's up first? They've got Italy. They have to get a bonus point win. They have to show that they're dominant uh, and try and build on that. And you know that will hopefully build nicely into the Autumn Nations Cup that everybody's also very excited about as well. Stevie, can I ask you about um, Will Connors? Like, I think we're probably going to talk about Hugo Keenan. It might be as, as as interesting thing, but for for me, Connors is someone we've talked about him on the show a few times. We've talked about the the incredible amount of number sevens that Leinster have, but I still do think he's kind of a new player in a way, and he's probably somebody that a lot of people mightn't have seen play in any kind of. Uh, you know, a lot of people that might just tune in for Ireland games or might kind of like half watch Lancer, you know, and you know the way people are. It's like, what is it about this guy? Because he has seemed to come and sort of passed out a number of players that, that seem to be in that position. Like Lancer have four or five viable number sevens alone, never mind what's in the rest of the provinces. But what is it about this guy that's catapulted him up to sort of the top of that list so soon? I think that the first thing for me is that he never has a bad game. And that's, you know, that's a real good trait to have when you're a rugby player is that you're always... 90 95% and then you know when the big games come around you can up it a little bit more as well and that's something that I see with Will Connors when I first initially saw Scott Penny come onto the scene yeah. um there was a few games that I was like geez this fellow's gonna you know push Van der Fleer hard um Sean O'Brien obviously was was on his way out from Leicester at that stage but he seemed to be the next guy in line and then all of a sudden Will Connors has just leapfrogged um it seems to be the both of them I watched him take down Marcel Coutier with ease um, and those couple of Ulster games that he, he played against him. And, and for me, he's probably one of the best number eights in the world. So to be able to do that um, and, and back it up, and he backed it up a couple of games in a row, I think is testament to him. I just hope he, he isn't the biggest lad, and that's why I think he, he, he does go low an awful lot. But when he does go low, he's absolutely flying into the tackles. There's, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure there's much care about his body, um, but he's young, uh, and I'm sure... He'll pick up a few nickels along the way, but he is just super competitive. Um, he really explodes into the tackle. And for me, why he's getting a little bit of success at the minute and why he's being selected for Ireland is because he's 
he, he doesn't have a bad game and uh, and he always rises to the, the, the big occasion and you know he's gonna have his work cut out at the weekend um tackling a few big italians but i'm sure he'd be up to the challenge yeah and what about the the back row in general then the the collection of that it's a, i think it's always a surprise for people to see peter matney on the bench but there is something exciting about sort of the 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 way that Doris and Sander can maybe kind of like you know um, switch between positions or two kind of ball carriers. It's definitely a different makeup of a back row when you don't have someone like Peter Matney in there as well, especially as you might not have the kind of the main go-to line-out jumper as well in the second row. Yeah, like I, of course, set piece. You know, it, it is everything. Um, you look at the World Cup final; the scrum was was everything. Um, and if your line out doesn't go to plan, you know, it can also have an impact. So I think Peter Amani has definitely got a role to play in this Irish uh, setup going forward. Um, but is he as good a player currently now as you uh, as the the three of us are sitting chatting here? He's not as good as Doris, and that's why I think Doris is in there, um, and and deservedly so. And you know he's gonna have to try and take that jersey off Pete's back um, this weekend uh, if he does that, and I believe he will. He's been really, really good on the ball. Defensively, doesn't make too many errors. Um, pretty good under the high ball. He's not a bad line-out option himself, but he's very, very young, and you know this experience at the high level will serve him really well going forward. So yes, again, I like Andy Farrell's selection where he's he's went with the younger, um, inexperienced player. But he's playing the better rugby. He's playing in the bigger games over the last uh, six weeks uh, to two months, uh, and he's got the nod. But as I go back to my first point, there, I still think that Pete's got a, a big part to play in this Ireland team over the over the next year. And, and a lot of people will probably write Pete off, you know, because he's on the bench and he's been there week in week out. Well, for the last what five six years, like he made his international debut with me, ironically against uh, against Italy. Um, so, you know, since that period, he's, he's been in the squad consistently and uh, people will write him off, but he's the type of character, the type of player, um, the determination that he shows uh, on a weekly basis wearing the, the red of Munster, I, I think, you know, certainly nobody should count him out. Yeah, I should mention anybody watching live, you can get involved in the comments, of course, with any of your uh, opinions or any questions you have for Stephen. Looking at, of course, the fullback position, Stephen, is another one because there were a lot of decisions for one reason or another between injuries and the likes of uh, Rob Carney obviously having left last year that this was a, it's a difficult one at the minute um, in terms of Andy Farrell's selection headaches. Jacob Stockdale, we've seen him at the back end of last season uh, get some game time at fullback for Ulster. Do you think it's something he's going to continue to grow into, um, and how happy you are with to see him at fullback? Yeah, um, again, I'm not sure where all this kind of came from. He was, you know, setting records on the wing for Ireland. Um, he was playing brilliantly for for Ulster on the wing, um, and then yes, he did play a lot of rugby at, at fullback for the under twenties, and he was he was pretty good. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, a few months ago. Um, after lockdown, he was, you know, the 15 jersey a couple of times just before we went into lockdown. He was wearing a 15 jersey, um, and I, I'm just not sure. Like, there's there's a small bit more responsibility. Um, he isn't as good under the high ball as the likes of Rob Carney. So for for me, he's still got a lot to prove. Um, he's had a couple of shockers over the last. You know, let's call a spade a spade here. Like he's had a couple of absolute howlers over the last couple of months. But yet, he's had some fantastic performances, and one of those being his last performance against the Ospreys, which I was covering. 
um, and he was phenomenal and showed exactly what he's all about. He controlled the game. He played. He, he made a, a line break. He didn't throw a stupid offload. He put the kick down in behind him, using the conditions, turning a tired team around, and he just seemed to play a smarter band of rugby um, that game. So maybe he's had a talking to. I'm not sure, but he certainly needed to buck up his ideas, um, considering you know he, he was way off the pace. Um, you know, you look at that Toulouse game. Um, would Andy Farrell picked him the following week after that a fullback? I don't, I don't think he would. I suppose the other person, the elephant in the room for this, and has been a big talking point this week after the Champions Cup final at the weekend, is Simon Zebo. There's been lots of chat, of course. Uh, whether this rule uh, should be relaxed in terms of uh, should we be welcome the likes of Zebo, Donald Ryan, was another one. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that? You obviously the very good reasons uh, I think for, for for not. Uh, allowing players to play, they want to keep them here at home, protect them with the provinces. Um, yeah. But then it's hard when you look at CC playing so well. Yeah, it is. I think somebody like Donegal Ryan, you know, he's 34, 35 now. I think he he would say himself, "Look, I don't want, I don't particularly want to come back and play international rugby at this stage of my career." However, Simon Zebu is a different different animal all altogether. Um, it's interesting even hearing Gar Steenson talk about, you know. Uh, winning the European Cup with Exeter and the limited opportunity that he had to play or give himself the chance to play for Ireland because of the rules in place that um, you know you have to play well apart from Johnny Sexton when he moved to Racing that you have to play for uh, a province um, to get selected for Ireland and as he said you know that's that's a small group of players um, that you know, the coaches have to pick from and uh, he tried his best weekend week out for Exeter and you know that ne- never got a phone call. So, yeah, it is tough. I think somebody like Simon Zebo, he has the X factor. He was brilliant in that final against Exeter. Um, I don't know why the heck he was, was brought off. He, he did look like he was limping ever so slightly coming off, so maybe that was the reason. But um, if there was any questions or doubts around Simon Zebo, um, if he still got it, like he turned it on in, in that final, which was a ferocious game, high-intensity game, uh, and he stepped up to the mark, like so. Um, for me, I believe you lads might have more information than me. Is his contract up at the end of the season? You know, he seems to be enjoying himself at, at Racing. Would they look to hold on to him, or you know, I'm sure Monster would like to have him back. Uh, all the fans as well, of course. Yeah, no, really. I think it's a good point. Just in terms of you never really think of it. We're always thinking of it the other way with Zebo in terms of the star player or whatever going over whereas sometimes especially if you look at Leinster now there could be some players in the pecking order that would benefit from the experience abroad but that you know they don't want to leave obviously because it might rule them out yeah um, like he took a chance and I think you know the the contract that was maybe put in front of him or, or was there a contract put in front of him uh, before he signed for Racing I think there was there's a few question marks all around that but like Fair play to him. He's made the right decision for him, for his family. And um, we've seen a lot of players do that in the past, and it hasn't went well. And you know, like I'm a massive fan of Simon Zebo. I think he brings something different to the table every time he plays. Um, he's a top top guy. He's a good lad. Now that Joe Smith isn't involved in the Irish setup, um, would it be a good time to bring him back in um, just to see how 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 he gets on? I think him and Andy Farrell would probably get on reasonably well too. So uh, yeah. Who knows what's around the corner, but this rule of not being able to play international rugby because you play for a different club team, uh, it's 
it's one that's got divided opinions across the whole of uh, the whole of Irish rugby for sure. Yeah, I suppose the IRFU's point would always be just a worry about the floodgates opening if there's more money in France and France. And look, we're almost out of time though. I do want to something that jumped out at me. Uh, looking at Ladbrokes, Italy are plus twenty eight, or Ireland are minus twenty eight. Maybe if you want to be more positive about it um, for this week, but I don't know if I'm that positive about it. I have to say, Stevie, because twenty eight points is a lot. Um, you know, and we haven't really seen Ireland put in that kind of performance in quite a while, even if it is at home against Italy. Yeah, home against Italy, no fans in the stadium, no atmosphere. Um, I'm not sure the emotions will be high standing singing national anthems and you don't have 50,000 you know, singing along with you. I, I just don't know if, uh, if that handicap really... Yeah, like 28 points is a lot. It is a lot of points in international rugby. However, Italy haven't played in a long time. These Irish boys have played at a high level consistently over the last couple of months, played in big games. Johnny Sexton played in big games. Um, and I, I think I think they'll get close to that, to be honest with you. I, I just think that, yes, Italy play with emotion and they play with that raw intensity, but that only lasts for so long in their game. And, uh, yeah, I just think that this Ireland team will, will get close to that. Will they beat it? Jeez, I don't know. I might go for alternative A or B if there's a few more points. In <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. I think we're all excited to see international rugby back this weekend. Stephen, thanks a million for joining us. All right, hold it. David. Just hold it, Alan. Push him out. Steady, David. Don't get round. No, don't. Bloody. Thanks a million to Stephen. Ireland against Italy is on on Saturday at half past three. And then that's followed, obviously, with the Ireland uh, women's Six Nations, Ireland-Italy clash uh, later on in the evening. Mick, it is time for the big shout. It's your chance to win two cakes in a sports photography. Not just you, Mick, but everybody listening. You can send in your big shout to the gaffer at Ball Study. Put big shout in the subject line. A prediction for the sporting weekend that is 25 to 1 or greater. And if it comes off, you will win yourself that coveted prize, two cakes and a sports biography. We mentioned earlier on in the show how terribly mine went last week. So Mick, you're back in the hot seat this week. What have you got for me? Yeah, I haven't had a go in a while actually, Mark. Um, I didn't want to ruin my weekend with, with more disappointments. Um, but look, I've gone for it this week. I've gone across, I talked at the top of the show about a kind of all the, the, the sport that was on across all the, the different sports, especially with the GEA, you know, football and hurling back. So I've crossed four sports in this. Um, starting with the rugby actually, because we just talked to Stephen, that handicap for me is too big, plus 28. I could see Ireland winning this game 60-10, but I can much more likely see it being a kind of a 25-15 job, you know, where or you know 25-20 even, where Ireland just about get the job done. We haven't been overly impressive in a long time now. I can't see us just going out and absolutely hammering Italy. Plus 28 is 19. Italy plus 28 is 19-20, to 20, um, with the odds boost is 10-11. to 11. Um, in general, so um, I'm using Ladbrokes odd boost, odds boost for all of these. Um, so that's my starting point. Then on to uh, the hurling, right? Limerick and Clare. We're going to talk about it in a little while. I'm loath to be. Look, I'm probably going to pick Limerick to win this game. Unfortunately, as a Clare fan, but you know. I'm not going to be um, putting money on it because I just can't do that to myself. So what I've gone with here is a little bit of logic. I, I wanted to include this game. So my logic in it is I think it's going to be an open enough game. I think kind of post-lockdown, what we've seen almost in all sports is some high-scoring, 
attack attack Trump's defense. We saw a little bit in the football even last weekend um, in a lot of games. So four or more goals to occur in this game is evens um, on Ladbrokes, and I like it. I can see. I can see Limerick getting three or four themselves, to be honest. And I can you can always back you'd always back Claire with someone like yeah. Shane O'Donnell up front uh to get a goal or two as well. So four more goals in Limerick versus Clare um in the league final slash Munster quarterfinal, um, double act. In the football then, Mark, I've looked through a lot of fixtures, there's a lot going on, there's a lot to play for. We're gonna talk about it in a few minutes. And you'll be surprised to know that the game I've gone for is old rivals, bitter rivals, in fact. Cavan versus Roscommon. Roscommon had their big week win last week. Cavan had their big loss last week. It's put them in trouble, but all is not lost. And I actually think Cavan will bounce back. I'm sorry to do this to you because it's a kiss of death, but I am going for Cavan to win that. They're seven to four, which I just thought was really good odds for in Kingspan Breffney Park for them to go and win it. Am I mad before I tell you my last two? No, you're not mad at all. I think they could win it, um, which will be heartbreaking because then we'll probably just end up missing out on promotion by a point or by head-to-head or whatever. Yeah, uh, Very uh, very short-sighted, uh, albeit it took them eight months to get the game over the line, but very short-sighted of the IRFU and World Rugby and uh, all the powers that be to uh, put on Ireland and Italy at three o'clock with Cavan Roscommon starting at two o'clock. You know, I don't know what they're try- thinking there, letting them two fixtures clash with each other. Yeah. But, I go. suppose you've only got or half three. Minutes. Sorry, half three is that. It's actually now that I think of it. So we're, we could be all right. We could be out. Perfect. Could be, this could be perfect timing. <laughs> you just go straight in for your celebrations. Oh, brilliant! Just, just in time for Ireland's call in an empty Aviva yeah. Stadium. You'll be delighted. Uh, okay, so uh, right. So I've gone for Cavan there. So moving on to football, then two Premier League games that I'm going to go for a little bit opposites in. Okay, so Liverpool versus Sheffield United. Um, look, I don't think this is going to be a hammering or anything like that. Sheffield United, they're definitely struggling to score. And I think that will continue, even without Virgil van Dijk, even without Alisson. I still don't think Sheffield United are going to score. So I've gone both teams to score no, which is five to six. I may have selected this without thinking about the Alisson van Dijk thing. But <laughs> no, I still I still know. I don't see I don't see Sheffield United. They're not scoring many goals at the moment and they're just gonna be so I know people are listening Anfield. obviously people are listening to this the podcast, but I'm watching you here on uh, Zoom and the panic on your face when you realize oh I've made a terrible mistake here. No I haven't. No I haven't. Don't say that. I'm sticking with this right and then the other game Manchester United and Chelsea the big game of the weekend. I'm the opposite here. Two absolutely ludicrous defences, two good attacks. It's This game could be three-all. Um, both teams to score, yes, is my conservative way of going at one to two. You add all those in together, so that's four more goals in Limerick and Clare. Cavan to beat Roscommon, Italy plus 28. Both teams to score, no, in Sheffield United and Liverpool. Both teams to score, yes, in Manchester United and Chelsea. It all adds up um, to 27, 20, nearly 28 to 1. And with the price boost um, from Ladbrokes, you're up to 30.75 to 1. So we'll call it 31, 31 to 1. I love I my like big it. shout this week. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Whether it comes off or not, I don't know. You're at like four goals. Yeah. You can see it. There's an awful lot of you want goals and some you don't want goals and others. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> it's mainly positive, except for if you're a Sheffield United fan or yeah, an Ireland rugby fan who wants to see us get 50 tries. Yeah. 
Yeah. There you have it. Uh, if you want to send us your big shout, send it to the gaffer at buzz.ie. Put the big shout in the subject line. 25 to 1 or greater, your prediction has to be for the weekend. And if it comes off, you will win yourself two cakes in a sports biography. Up next, we're going to chat through the GEA fixtures this weekend. Yes, indeed. The GEA has been in the headlines for lots of various reasons this week. And Mick, do you know what? I'm sick of listening to and talking about the whether it should be played, whether it not should be, shouldn't be played, debate, the different voices on it or whatever. So we're just going to go, I think, and actually preview these yeah. as if it were normal times. Obviously, there's no under-20s now. The under-20-year uh, final won't be taking place for any of the minor games. But in terms of the Alliance League matches, the ones that are going ahead and the return of the Hurland Championship uh, this weekend, let's just let's park the, <laughs> park the worry for a few minutes and just talk about them as well, I, I actually I just want to pick up what you're saying there though because I think that's actually important is that like this I you can be on both sides in a way like you know what I mean you can have all your worries and have all your concerns and have all your there's more important things than sport attitudes and an absolute like you know a, a concern about testing concern about the players a concern about spreading all of it you can have them and still be someone who can't wait to watch Clare and Limerick on Sunday or can't wait to watch any of the games that are on. Like, because it is happening and it's not happening in a vacuum. But in terms of like, if it's on, it's still exciting live sport of which we haven't seen in inter-county hurling anyway since March. You know, we got our, we got our hits in football a little bit last week and, their champ- and the championship will start next week there. But like... Jesus Christ, I'm so I can't believe that Clare and Nimrick are playing in a in a championship match on Sunday afternoon. I just I, I yeah. can't get my head around it. Um so to say I'm looking forward to it is an understatement to say I'm absolutely fr- frightened about it, <laughs> given what happened in Ennis last year between Clare and Nimrick is another uh, another understatement, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. And obviously we're not burying our head in the sand with all the worries or whatever. It's more that I don't think myself or yourself of anything. Uh, anything of value to add to that discussion it's been discussed at led so much already but there's so much um, happened this weekend as you mentioned it's the, uh, the last round of the football league for start let's get that out of the way because there are so much to play for uh, Kerry could wrap up the league by Saturday afternoon although Dublin and Galway don't play until Sunday should Kerry get a win uh, that'll, they, will be, they won't be able to be caught come Sunday so that could be that that could be that sorted uh, come 4pm or half 3 on Saturday could afternoon be. But Division uh, 1, where really is interesting, is in terms of relegation, because you've got Monaghan, Mayo, and Tyrone. And even Donegal, could, uh, Donegal can't be dragged into it, really. Well, Donegal but, uh, like, are the team that Kerry do need to beat to wrap up the league, so it is kind of linked. But I think, it is, I think it's between the other three, really. And Mayo obviously got themselves back into it, and their score difference was done no harm. If there is a three-way tie, uh, you know, which there could be you know, um, last week. But for me... I was actually looking at, uh, I was looking at Mead to beat Monaghan. They've been almost getting closer in every single game, including against Dublin. And just when I was doing the big shout, I was just looking at their, their decent odds. But at the same time, you almost think Monaghan have so much experience that when it comes to a must-win game, yeah. yeah. When you look at the table after you kind of dismiss, after I didn't pick them, you're kind of thinking. Do you know what? Actually, you have to fancy Monaghan there, you know? Yeah. And that the only thing is so that, much pressure on Mayo then, you know? Yeah, like if you say, oh, Mead have nothing to play for, they're already down or whatever. They've got a massive, like, the next championship is just coming around the corner. So it's, yeah. that, it's even like, it's so much fa- quick, uh, more accelerated than, say, that last match in the league would have been 
back in March. Yeah, and uh, it's, a, it's because, a different situation as well than it would be, say, for Fermanagh have nothing to play for. We'll talk about them in Division 2. They're probably on a down because of that and because of everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Whereas Mead knew that they were kind of getting experience in Division 1. This was a big year for them. They want to get a win. It wasn't even about staying up. That, that's, that's for two years down the line if they get promoted again next year. You know, that's yeah. the, the, they're about incremental improvement. So every Division 1 match is huge for Mead. So actually yeah. getting the win is I would say they're unbelievably motivated as well as what you're saying, which is preparing for their massive championship. Campaign. The way it is the minute, me, they're on uh, zero points. Monaghan and Mayo are on five points apiece and Tyrone are on six points. If you go with the logic that me, they've lost every game so far, Monaghan are playing me, they should win that match. That would move Monaghan on to seven points. So then you're looking at who are Tyrone playing? Who are Mayo playing? Because they're really important games. Guess what, Mick? <laughs> They're playing each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, that is such a huge game on, sun, on Could be Sunday. a shootout. So, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, definitely one we can't wait for as well. And if uh, that ends then, up in... Yeah, sorry, no, go on. So, what are you going to say? If that ends no, up in draw? I'm, I'm getting all kinds of confused as to, uh, as to permutations and stuff like that. Let's just say that if Monaghan beat Mead, it's a shootout between Mayo and, uh, and Tyrone and forget about everything else. Yeah, exactly. A draw will do Tyrone, but yeah. uh, obviously they'll probably like May will be going all out to win it. Then if it was uh, near a draw coming down the home stretch, then down to Division Two, it's just literally anyone, could, anything could happen. Anyone, I wouldn't be surprised if Fermanagh ended up getting promoted, even though they're five points <laughs> off. <laughs> There's so much going on here between Roscommon, obviously as you mentioned, playing uh, Cavan, which I've that in the big shout. Uh, you've got then Ar- there are nine points. Armagh was me on seven points. Kildare, Cavan. And Clare all on six points and Leash on five points in the relegation place at the moment. So, like, I mean, Kildare, Cavan, Clare could all theoretically be promoted still. Yeah. And all could be relegated. Yeah. I think all three counties are really, really hoping that Fermanagh, you know, aren't demoralized, like I was talking about earlier, and are more almost galvanized by the really good performance that they put in in Ennis, despite all their casualties. Yeah. They'll have players back, I presume. And, you know, I think there's a, I, if Leash win, they can still go down, but it's really hard to see because it's really hard to see all of Kildare, Clare and um, Cavan all getting wins. Uh, Clare playing Armad, they're the ones that I'd be most worried about naturally from a non-neutral point of view, but also from a kind of a neutral point of view is that they, I feel like that they've been like winning games all around them to kind of like somehow salvage this Division 2 team this, uh, campaign, but... It almost doesn't seem to be enough at this stage, you know, despite like winning three games um, already. But I don't know. I think they're going to have to win a fourth. And Armagh losing last week was actually a disaster because now they're, they need to go all out to get promotion. Yeah, definitely. And then moving down to Division 3, uh, it looks like with the concession that Cork and Down will be the two teams promoted. So really all that's and now they're ready already get it. So all that's left to play for really is Leitrim and Offaly. I'm not sure even what the head to head on that one is. Um so that's probably the least interesting of the divisions. Division four, in terms of the HUD for promotion at Division Four, Wicklow, Wexford, and Limerick all on eight points, Antrim on seven points, Sligo and Carlo on six points, Wicklow and Wexford are the two at the top of the table on score difference at the minute. And guess what? They're playing each other. Of course they are, yeah. Uh, Paul Galvin less uh, Wexford as well. Like um, you know, that, that I think I feel like it would have been a bigger story if he was still there. But it's still very interesting. Like it's, I have to say, it's great to see Limerick even in the discussion there. 
you know, there was a point when me and you were talking on podcasts, like not 18 months ago, where we were talking about like, how did Limerick fall? They're probably the worst football team in the country now. And that's obviously no longer the case anymore. And that's good. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I think I'd be happy for any of those teams, to be honest. If Antrim somehow pull it out of the, out of the, drawer as well after what happened to them last week when they could have wrapped up promotion and instead got absolutely hammered to Wicklow. I think there's a there's an interesting story in any of the two teams that come up there. Yeah, definitely. And actually what we mentioned we didn't mention there as well in terms of division three was that should Leitrim beat Tipperary and they they end up just being the only two on five points and awfully say awfully win against Derry at the weekend. And that obviously would have, would relegate Tipperary on head to head. And Tip going down to Division 4 is a big story as well. Yeah, a team that were yeah. so unlucky to lose just a couple of years ago to Cavan in the last kick of the game versus to get Cavan promotion to Division 1 yeah. you know, when it was a shootout to now end up in Division 4. And if it uh, does end up a three-way, Mark, what the hell happens then? Because Leitrim have to walk over to to um, Down at the weekend. like So it's all over the place. It like takes out, yeah. There's a, it takes out all games every, against all Down maybe or something. Down, yeah. I think that's what it Which is. Which isn't really fair on, on anyone really, to be honest either, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I suppose it's the only way to do it. But there you have it. That's the football. So then moving on to the hurling. You've got the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship, 6pm on uh, Saturday evening. It's Dublin against Leash. And then Clare against Limerick. On on Sunday in the Munster Hurling Championship, the the, Hur- the championship is here, Mick. It's, it's here. Cha- it's, like it's, it's cha- that's what I'm saying. We've been talking about league for a few. Twenty four, twenty fifth of October, the championship is here. Exactly the way you're always, you know, we talk about the league, and it is, it's brilliant, and the, there's the permutations are classing up, but ultimately the matches don't mean as much. And you're kind of we're talking about the Gaelic football league for ages, and people don't want to get relegated and stuff, and you're thinking, hold on. There's actually championship matches, and it's kind of old school championship. It's knockout, you know. There's qualifiers in the hurling, fair enough, but it's only one back door. There's no kind of like there's no round robins or anything like that, you know. So um, yeah, we're back in Leash in Dublin. Like, what a way to start it! Given like you know that would have been probably the least appealing of all of the the possible fixtures in the hurling, except for the fact that they played each other last year and Leash beat them in the preliminary quarterfinal. One the biggest shock we've had since the restructuring of the Hurling Championship, you know. And uh, Dublin had knocked Galway out <laughs> a week before, two weeks before, whatever. Uh, so, like, there was a kind of a sense of anyone could beat anyone. I'd be interested to see this. Dublin are really, really heavy favourites. I think they're actually a much improving, constantly improving team. Um, and it was one of those, like, massive setbacks for them to lose that last year um, under Maddie Kenny. But, like, you know, would you rule out Leash after, like, you know, they, they struggled a little bit in the league um, for what it was. But, you know, they are playing more matches against the big teams. And given what we saw against them, against Dublin last year and against Tipperary and Crow Park in the, the actual quarterfinal, you know, I'm definitely intrigued to see it, you know. And then, and then there's even just a case of watching a championship match and to see does it feel like a championship match? You know, that's definitely, what we've yeah, got on Saturday night in an empty, I don't know if it's in Parnell Park or where it is, but like it's an empty ground. It's on Sky Sports and it's going to be nighttime, you know, as well. Like, you know, like what? thought of that. Matches in the championship dark. The, dark. the last there's, championship match I remember in the dark, I think, was Galway against Kerry in the quarterfinal. Remember years ago when yeah, it was so, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just that it was so wet. It was nearly, it was nearly the dark. wettest day of all time. Yeah, yeah. great match. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe one of the Dublin, I think Dublin Mayo replay might have finished in, in like it was in. Well, actually, sure Dublin Kerry was nearly dark last yeah. year as well. Uh, the replay was. But look, this is this is going to start more or less in the dark. You know, dark. You're talking yeah. about a half six. It's going to be dark out, and dark it's a championship dark. match. So I'll be just intrigued as to whether you know, twelve minutes into this game, whether it feels like a championship game because more so than watching football 
in you know maybe maybe the Ireland matches is probably the, in, in, is the best example in football. But like these are games that you've been at, you know, and that you've been, and it's all about the roar, you know. And I don't mean to be like too kind of GEA centric on this and making it more than anything else. But I, I I just feel like I'm very by the time Ireland games came around, or even League of Ireland by the time I came back, I was very used to watching football on TV with no no one in, in, yeah. we're not quite at that stage yet with GEA you know any you're watching club games here you're kind of used to seeing nobody at those matches really you know so yeah look that that's the real intriguing for me and then on Sunday uh, Claire and Limerick like Limerick uh, look I'd love Claire to win this game you never know last year at Ennis like in Ennis Limerick made a fool of them and I think it's under, it's almost forgotten how good Limerick were throughout the Munster Championship last year, defending their All-Ireland title at the time. They went in, they hammered tip in the Munster final as well, don't forget. And then came up against Kilkenny on a kind of a bad day and in a great match and lost in the semi-final. But because they're not in the final, the narrative hasn't really been about them in the insanely long period of time we've had between championships. And I wonder, are they a little bit forgotten about or a little bit underrated um, coming into this now? And that would certainly be my worry as a Clare fan anyway, is that Limerick have been in the long grass for a long time. Uh, but look, Clare, Brian Lowen that did very well in the league. This is obviously the league final as well, technically. Uh, Clare actually had a very, very good winter before the next winter now that's coming. Uh, so I wouldn't rule them out, but Colm Galvin's missing. Uh, Peter Duggan's obviously not there. There's a few players missing for Clare. Yeah. You'd, you'd just worry that Limerick would have too much for them. Look, either way, Mick, I can't wait for it. Um, I just cannot wait for, no. for this championship to finally get going. A yeah, few months here. after it should it's have here. finished. It's going to start beast. We know that much. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, that is it uh, for our GEA chat this week. Up next, we're going to play one, two, three. One, two, free time. It's your chance to win yourself 100 euro cash on labrooks.com by correctly predicting the score of three of this weekend's Premier League matches. The matches this week are Man United against Chelsea, Southampton against Everton, and Wolves against Newcastle. The big one, obviously, United against Chelsea on Saturday evening at half past five. Again, Mick, we talked earlier on about Cavan Roscommon straight into uh, the Ireland Italy match, straight into. Man United against Chelsea, straight into the Women's Ireland, Italy, Six Nations. There's an awful lot going on. Straight into Leash, Leash and Dublin and half six then Leash as well. Like, as yeah. well yeah. It's all over the shop. Like, well, uh, <laughs> you'd, want, you'd want two screens for most of the day. This match is great, though, because United won, obviously, against PSG. And like everything is rosy again, and where what are we? And it is. It was a phenomenal performance and win for United. But at the same time, they're always only one performance away from a crisis. And Chelsea are like always on the cusp of a crisis as well. So like, if this match Chelsea hot- have a goalkeeper who's so bad that they spent seventy six million pound on that they've had to take Petr Cech out of retirement for. <laughs> but like the, the the best this game is just like if this is a win for either team or a high scoring draw which is kind of where I'm sort of leaning to there's going to be stories about crises possibly two and certainly at least one um, I have a feeling United are going to win it though I think it's going to be high scoring I think there could be a lot of messing in the game I'm going to go for 3-2 to Manchester United I'm going to say 2-all I'm going okay. for a high like scoring 2-all too actually yeah yeah high scoring draw although Chelsea last weekend was 3-all so I don't know, yeah. two all we go, it's safe enough. Southampton against Everton, the next one up. We actually have uh, Labrooks 5 aside, uh, which you can play now on Labrooks.com. You'll see our video will be up later on this week for this game. We're predicting that uh, there will be, that Everton at least are going to score. Um, I think both teams are going to score. I think this could be, I, I think Southampton can get a result here. They're, I think they're a bit better 
uh, than they've been given credit for so far this season. They're in a decent run of form after a poor start. Mm. So I'm going to go one all. Okay, I'm going to go two one to Everton, and I just want to note for future reference. I think you're mad. I think you really like Ralph Hasselhoodle because you 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 always pick Southampton to get a result. You always say they're underrated, and you always talk. You generally talk about how good they are or what run of form. You ignore their bad runs of form. You talk up their good ones. You're you've for about three years now. You've been talking about how great Southampton are. Um, the other thing I thought you were going to say is that I love a draw because I'm always going for draws in one, two, three, and none of the matches this season are ended in draws. No, well there was more last week. I don't but predict, before like, that, there was none Tottenham at all. West Ham. What I thought Tottenham were going to win by three goals. Yeah, um, exactly. Now two Sunday then, for me. I like I, this is a really good Everton team. Definitely, yeah, they're very good so far. That's at two o'clock on Sunday, half past four on Sunday. Wolves against Newcastle. Uh, Wolves that match on Monday night I watched against Leeds it looked like they weren't actually going to be able to string three passes together for the first half and then the second half Wolves came out and were very very good Uh, they've been very good at the back as well the only thing is the question for them is what the Europa League effect is going to have on them and I know I'm going to say it again after after the first two I predicted our draws and I just mentioned it I had a habit member last season of predicting that Wolves games always ended up 1-1 after the Europa League and I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here again Grand. Okay, no worries. I, <laughs> I I like it actually. I like the Europa League element of it. Uh, Wolves started off slowly last year. People forgot that completely. They haven't started off as slow this year, but have had the odd little bad result. And I think they're going to get better all the time because I think they have that type of manager and they have that type of system that the new lads like. They they just are all brilliant at, and they got better as the game went on. They're getting better as the season goes on, and I think they're going to beat Newcastle two 0 2 0. Nice one. Yeah. There you have it. You can play Labrooks or you can play one to free yourself on Labrooks.com right now. If you get one score right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two right, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win yourself 100 euro cash. It is, of course, free to play as well. Mick, it's nearly time to go, but very quickly, your NFL picks for this weekend. I didn't even get time to actually catch up with you about how you got on last weekend. 2-1 again last week. I had a hilarious win uh, a bit against the spread when the Titans got a touchdown in overtime uh, to beat the... It was minus three, so I would have only got a push if they'd got the field goal, but they got a touchdown, won it for me, 2-1. So, like, um, what am I now? It's 3-0, now, 2 uh, 7 and 2 for the last three weeks against the spread. So, on a pretty good run of form. Uh, this week, really quickly, without too much explanation, I'm going for the terrible Dallas Cowboys who were absolutely hammered at the weekend to bounce back. They're plus one at the Washington football team, but I think people are underestimating how bad Washington actually are. Um, I'm going for the Las Vegas Raiders at home, plus three against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the Raiders are being a little bit underrated there for a home team um, to be uh, underdogs. And also an underrated team on Monday Night Football next week, the Chicago Bears plus five and a half at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams lost to the 49ers last week. The Bears consistently being dismissed before every game and yet are winning it. I think they're five and one. They're having a really, really good season. They're just finding ways to win games and to get within five and a half points to the Rams is something that I think is actually really really generous and I'm going for them so it's the Cowboys plus one the Raiders plus three and the Bears plus five and a half three underdogs Mark you're on a good run I uh, have to say mm. that's uh, if, if, if anyone should be listening to anything on this podcast from us Absolutely. maybe it's your the thing we do at the end <laughs> Well, there you have it. We have a packed show this week. We are all out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us by searching the build-up on Ball Study and all good podcast apps. If you haven't subscribed yet, please rate and review the podcast while you're there. Uh, of course, if you are having a bet this weekend as well, please gamble responsibly. You can visit dunleavy.net for more information. Until we chat to you next week, mind yourself. Mind yourself.